just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We've got to jump right into this one. This podcast may go a little longer than most others. See, we're getting a lot of emails. You know, I always ask you, if you have questions, comments, complaints, recipes, whatever, just send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. A couple of days ago, I got a voicemail and an email. Yesterday, I got two emails. Today, I got three freaking emails. I'm going to have to hire some guy to run the mailroom, for Christ's sake. No, I'm kidding. Those emails are very important to me because all of you are just as important to this podcast as I am. This is about bringing people of a like mind together, and I want to hear what you're thinking and what's on your mind and bring it to the podcast. That's the only way anybody learns anything. I try to keep up to date with all the things that are going on, but I don't know everything. There are plenty of smarter folks out there in the podcast listener group, and I'm happy to hear from them when they decide to send me an email or leave a voicemail. So let's get to it. Let's get to the first email. Now, I have to preface this email. I've told this story before, but uh, I'll remind you because it'll help you understand this email. Now, I've done a lot of things in the radio business and other businesses, for that matter. But here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, I spent a long time as a traffic announcer. Not something I ever wanted to do, but when I was in my late 20s, I had a kid, I had a house, I had a responsibility. I'd already sold my recording studio, so I needed a job. So I took the job, and I worked with a public radio station and in conjunction with the Department of Transportation here. And I was a traffic reporter, knew nothing about being a traffic reporter, but uh, they told me, they said, look, you're going to sit here in the Department of Transportation's office and watch like five or 600 cameras, and then you can do play-by-play of traffic. I said, I've never done that. They said, no, but you've done play-by-play of sport. Same deal. Just do it the same way. And that's what I did. I did it for a number of years. Had to feed the family, had to pay the mortgage. And what I did was, in spite of the fact that it wasn't my favorite thing to do because it wasn't the most creative, I made it my own. And I kind of turned it into my own thing. And for 27 years, I did it, among other things. But I did that mainly. And uh, I made it my own and uh, had a fair amount of success with it. The station had success with it. The Department of Transportation had success with it, and so did I. So anyway, now I'll read the email, and you'll get a better sense of what this is talking about. Good evening, Mike. I have a story that I hope will delight you like your podcast has delighted us. We live in northwest Minneapolis, have for 20 years. Ever since moving to Minneapolis, we listen to your reports morning and afternoon, keeping our roadways safe and us too. They're talking about the traffic reports that I used to do way back when. Until one day, it wasn't your voice any longer. Somebody else was doing it. And I have an explanation for that, too. And it was never the same. Anyway, to the point of the story, we had our grandson over for the holidays, and we were sitting around the living room, and he was watching videos on his phone when suddenly a familiar voice came over his phone. 
I said to my husband, that sounds like a lot like Mike from KBEM. And he looked at me for a minute and he said, yeah, does it ever. So I looked at my grandson and asked him to show me what he was watching. Of course, we'd never seen you because I was on radio and before, but but figured it had to be the same person because my name was Mike and the name fit the bell. We saw you were producing a podcast from your profile, so we listened and loved it. It's uh, become a morning routine of ours. We love your reporting of dipshit, diaper Donnie, and the corrupt Republicans. I'm sorry for the length of the email, but I thought you'd like the Minneapolis connection. Take care. That is nice to hear. Uh, I was fortunate in doing the traffic as long as I did, and because I was in everybody's car every 10 minutes every day for 27 years, a lot of people felt a connection to me, and I felt a connection to them. It was important for me to get them the information, hopefully make things easier for them, and hopefully safer. But uh, this woman's name is Gail, not Gail from the Bronx. This is Gail from Northwest Minneapolis. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, she mentioned that all of a sudden I was gone. And that was true. That was weird. I'd been there every day, twice a day, every 10 minutes for 27 years, and then poof, I'm gone. Now, I'm sure a lot of people thought, well, he just got fired. Well, after 27 years, I all of a sudden get fired. That's not really what happened. Now, as I say, I worked for a public radio station, and I was working with the Department of Transportation. I did this job for 27 years. Showed up every day, sick or not, I did the job. The listeners liked me, the DOT who was paying the radio station to have me do it liked me, and I had a lot of friends at the radio station. But at one point, they brought in new management, these young people that didn't know shit from shit and had no talent to top it off. And they wanted to change a bunch of things. And one of the first things they wanted to do, they wanted to cut expenses. And I was going along doing my job. Then all of a sudden, I started seeing some of my friends, some of the original people from the station who were older. And they somehow all of a sudden got pushed out. As you typically see these days, you want to push out the old guys because they make the most money or gals for that matter. And that's what they were doing. And that kind of upset me. That kind of irritated me. But I had bills to pay. And I didn't think they would touch me because the Department of Transportation, who liked me, was paying the radio station a lot of money, which kept that radio station alive. So I figured I was safe. Now, I was doing a good job. In fact, the Department of Transportation, the year prior to the final event when I left, gave me a Lifetime Achievement Award for doing traffic. I had media from all over the country and locally talk to me all the time. It was kind of fun once I made it my own. Well, then all of a sudden, these young punks decide they want to try to push me, which surprised me. And at first, I didn't get it. They called me in for some ridiculous shit one day, and they were trying to make it look like I was doing something wrong. Well, I'd invented how to do the traffic reports because nobody had done it before me in this particular situation. So I didn't listen to too many people who said they thought they could do it better, especially when they weren't ever, that they didn't even have any experience doing traffic. And most of the time people left me alone. But this particular management, this guy, was trying to push me out. He calls me in, tries to reprimand me over something that didn't happen. It was actually his fault. And I don't think much of it. 
Then almost exactly six months later, I get called in again. Again, for ridiculous bullshit that uh, is, are things I'd been doing for 27 years. And then six months after that, I got called in a third time. And I thought, oh, okay. This is the fucking setup. They're just running me through the process. I happened to talk to a union rep there, and I said, this is what I think they're doing. What do you think? He said, yeah, you're right. I've seen them do it before. They're doing it this time, too. I said, so they're going to fire me today. And um, they said, well, I don't want to say that, but that's a possibility. I said, okay, enough said. Enough said. So when I went to the meeting, Knowing I was going to be fired, I said, I'm not going to let them win this one, and I'm going to protect myself to the best ability I can. So I sit in the meeting. There's this administrator, and there's this guy who's alleged to be my boss, and they're ready to go through the process they went before, and now they're going to finish it up because this is the third meeting. So I said to them, I said, look, uh, I need to say a couple things before we get this meeting started. They said, sure, fine. So I looked at my boss, who was a young kid, and I spent about five minutes tearing him to shreds. He had no talent. He had no experience. He's trying to tell me how to do traffic reports when he only had one job in a small station that not only didn't do traffic reports, he lived in a town that didn't even have fucking traffic. And I tore into him for a while, hoping he'd snap or do something stupid. I'll give him credit. He didn't. And then I looked at the administrative lady, and uh, she said, are you done? I go, oh, no, I'm not done yet. And she says, what else do you have to say? I said, I just have one thing to say. I'm retiring. And the lady looked at me, you're retiring? Yeah, I thought uh, I'd uh, cut you off at the pass, if you will. She said, when are you retiring? I said, right the fuck now. Today, this moment, get the paperwork, I'm retiring. Now, she seemed pretty surprised. I looked over at my boss, and he says, well, you have a shift this afternoon. I said, no, I don't. I'm fucking retired. (laughs) And so she brought the paperwork in. I filled that shit out, gave my boss another rundown, (laughs) and then I skipped out of there like a fucking schoolgirl. Now, I was happy. I felt solid about it. And, and they asked me, would you like to come back and say goodbye to the audience? I said, no, this is on you. You want to explain yourself? You go on the air and do it. But I'm doing nothing more for this station ever a fucking again. And so I'm happy with myself until I get in my car and I realize I just retired And I gave my wife no warning that I was going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't go over well. Mom wasn't excited about that. And I tried to explain to her, here, here's the deal. They were going to fire me anyway. And yes, maybe I could have gotten uh, unemployment. But I had another business working and I was making enough money. It wasn't going to be a problem. And she said, why didn't you just let them fire you if that's what was going to happen? I said, here's the deal. Maybe I'm overthinking this. I worked there 27 years. I made a lot of money for that radio station, and I helped to keep them alive. And now they're running me out of my job. If they're that fucking shady, who's to say they're not going to try to do something to steal my fucking pension? Because that's the one thing I earned there that I was going to take with me. 
and I said I needed to cut them off of the pass, get it done and over with, protect the pension and whatever else they wanted to fuck with me about. She still didn't really understand it, and she's still annoyed about it. But I think I made the right choice. And to be perfectly honest with you, I've never regretted it for a moment. I've never missed it for a moment. I've missed the listeners because those are the only people I really cared about. All the administrative people, all the managers, they tried to tell me to do shit and I'd tell them to fuck off because they didn't know what they were talking about. But those listeners would tell me things and suggest things and I would always take that to heart and consider doing it. So Gail... (laughs) You said sorry for the length of the email. I'm sorry for the length of the response, but at least now you know. Thanks for listening back in the traffic days, and thank you even more so listening in the podcast days. You know, it's funny. When my boss called, my former boss called me up and said, could you please come down here and do something? I go, fuck you, no. And and he started getting snippy with me. I said, look, dude, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do something on the internet, a podcast or something along those lines. And you know what? I'm going to have more fucking listeners than you have on your whole radio station. Because they weren't a highly rated radio station. And he kind of laughed and (laughs) I laughed. And here I sit today with 115,000 followers on TikTok, thousands of followers on the podcast. And you know what? I do have more listeners than that fucking station does, so they can suck on it. All right, the next uh, email I got. Hello, Mike. Kev here. I heard something yesterday and wanted to pass it along to you. I was in a discussion about the prospect of Trump winning re-election in 2020 instead of Biden. The friend I was speaking with said Donald Trump, if Donald Trump had taken COVID seriously, if the Republican Senate had not been difficult to deal with regarding Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House, had the climate of America been brighter, there's a real chance that he would have won a second term. But Donald Trump got in the way of Donald Trump, and that struck me as interesting, much like his business dealings. Had he not bothered with the presidency and went along in life with his corruption and illegalities in silence, he'd still be trucking. But Donald Trump got in Donald Trump's way. I thought it was funny and accurate. What do you think? I agree. Every bit of trouble that Donald Trump got into during his presidency was because he couldn't shut up. If he had learned to keep his mouth shut and just do the fucking job, he might very well have been reelected. If he didn't come off as such a danger to society, 81 million people wouldn't have voted against him. But he just kept yapping, and that's, you know, that's what he does. He is responsible for losing 2020. He's responsible for losing votes. He's responsible for getting Biden more votes because he created fear and concern in the voting public, and they voted his ass out. Donald Trump does this to himself all the time. The only difference was that back in the days when he was a... um, just a businessman, he always had somebody to bail him out, either daddy or the Russians. And he keeps making mistakes, but because he had a high profile, people kept feeding him money and protecting him. Because he was kind of under the wire, all the illegalities went by the wayside. He'd throw it into court for a million years and nothing would ever happen. So 
I honestly believe that the day Donald Trump won the presidency will be the day that he rules most. Because had he not won the presidency, he wouldn't be under criminal investigation. He wouldn't have multitudes of lawsuits. He wouldn't have companies losing as much money as they are. He would have been far better off. But his ego got the best of him. He had to be president. I don't even really think he thought he was going to be president. But as I said, the media gave him legitimacy by putting him on the cable news every day because he did such fucked up shit and because he was there every day and in terms of some stupid people in this country he gained some legitimacy made him a legitimate candidate for the president and the dumb fuck wins but here's the one thing about donnie trump donnie trump no matter what he does casinos stakes colleges the presidency no matter what he does he always fucks it up Always, always, always. I, I, I challenge anybody to tell me what one success that he has had since he's been alive, other than being able to get a half a billion dollars from daddy or having the Russians bail him out. He's never had a success. He's an idiot. He's a child. And unfortunately, this gentleman, Kevin, is probably right. Had he just shut his mouth done his work, not tried to call COVID a hoax, let the sitting committee that was already there do their job, have them follow the strategy book that was already there, and did what they were supposed to do. There would be two things that happened. First of all, he wouldn't have taken the heat for COVID, and there wouldn't have been 840,000 people fucking dead. So not only did he fuck himself, he fucked this country and he fucked 800,000 people and millions of families and friends that have suffered the loss of somebody from COVID because Donald Trump just didn't do what he was supposed to do. Let's be honest. It's hard for an incumbent president not to get reelected. It doesn't happen very often. The last time it happened was George H.W. Bush. I mean, this guy came in with very high poll ratings because of, uh, of, of the Iraq thing, the Iraq war. But by the end of his term, the economy sucked so bad that he got voted out and Bill Clinton won. And Bill Clinton was a nobody. He was a governor from Arkansas. Nobody expected him to win. But because of Joe Biden's uh, high ratings early on, a lot of legitimate candidates said, yeah, I'm not going to fuck with that. I'm not going to go into an election where I know I'm going to lose. But then Bill Clinton got lucky. Joe, um, George, George H.W. Bush's economy went to shit. Uh, Bill Clinton took advantage. He took over the Democratic presidency. And, you know, he fucked up in many ways. But I tell you what, the economy was good. The debt was paid off. So he looked pretty good in that situation. Yes, Donald Trump could very well have won in 2020 had he not stepped on his own dick. That's what he does. That's what he does best. He screws up. He screws up for himself. All right. I have yet another, yet another email. Another Kevin. Two Kevins. Imagine that. 
Hi, Mike. My name is Kevin. I'm 65-year-old male, and I live in Los Angeles, California. I recently discovered you on TikTok as I was on disability for a few months and had the attention span of a gnat. So the TikTok three-minute videos were perfect for me. Now that I'm fully recovered, I listen to your show on Spotify daily. I love the fact that you speak your mind and don't give a shit about what people think about the words you choose to use. I love the fact that you call out Biden when appropriate or anyone else and how you break down the news. It's nice to come to your show and get caught up on the news that matters. Fair and balanced. Where is Walter? Now, you young folks, he's talking about Walter Cronkite, and that is quite a comparison. Thank you, Kev. I'm glad you are there. This gets to the purpose of the email. We as a society need to find a way to trust the news and media. You have touched on this before, and I wholly agree. While I, we don't have all the answers, I'm wondering if it would be possible to open this subject for conversation, a kind of brainstorming event. For example, if you needed a license to practice journalism. If you report mistruths or bold-faced lies, too many times you lose your license. Or maybe just call out reputable news organizations or your sources. Just a thought. Now, the email goes on, but I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. Here's the problem. Most of TV news right now is all about clickbait and all about, uh, all about gossip and giving you half the information. All they care is you tune in, listen to their advertising, and they make money. Now, there are some organizations that require true news agencies to tell the truth and not lie and not do crazy shit, and they can be called out for that. That would be somebody like M- MSNBC or uh, CBS or, or uh, CNN or something like that. Those are official news organizations. I don't know what the name of the, uh, the groups are, but if they do something very egregious, they can be called out on this, and there might be some sanctions or fines or something for that. So there is something kind of like that. However, if you're talking about Fox News, the name itself is a misnomer because while CNN and MSNBC and the like are registered as news organizations, Fox News is not. It's registered as an entertainment entity. In spite of the name Fox News, they are entertainment. So they aren't under the scrutiny of telling the truth or being honest or even being accurate. And that's why they get away with doing what they do. The problem with it is people who listen to Fox News aren't the brightest fucks in the world. So when they listen to Fox News, they say, hey, the name's Fox News, so this must be news. It must be serious. It must be true. And then they get sued when they find out that they're wrong or lied. And they said, we're not news. We're entertainment. Nobody should believe this shit. And they get away with it. So your idea is kind of already in place. Unfortunately, there are people acting like they're news agencies, but they're not. And the people that watch them aren't bright enough to figure out what's real and what's not real. Okay, I'll go on with the email. Also, it would be great if you could talk about how we as individuals can get involved. For example, I've called or left messages and have written to Cinema and Mansion. I have also signed petitions for Represent Us. Your shout out to Represent Us gave some validity to them, and I now follow them. Other action items are very welcome.
All I can say is speak up. I mean, most of us are just guys and gals. We don't have a lot of power, but we got to somehow kind of control the narrative like the dumb fuck Trump fox, you know, they just kept yapping and kept yapping. So we've got to keep control of the narrative. We've got to keep talking. We've got to keep complaining. We've got to keep making calls. We've got to do whatever we can. There's only limit limited ways we can do things as general normal people, but keep pounding on the narrative. Make people pay for the things they do by what's going on in this country, what the talk is. All I can say is speak your mind, speak loud, push back, do whatever you can, and that is the best thing you can. One guy does it, not a big deal. But if 20 million people do it, now you got something. So in addition to speaking out and pushing back, Try to encourage other people to do the same. The more people we have doing this, the more power we have. Now, the last part of this uh, email. Lastly, a while back, you asked if anyone would be interested in hearing about your days in the music industry and the quasi-connections with Prince. I would, for one. I had the uh, good fortune to work for Prince at his Paisley Park studio back in the day. I ran a high-speed motion picture camera, and working with Prince was quite the experience. He did a private concert on stage. It was just a super job, except for his meat and dairy band. (laughs) I like meat. I do, too. Oh, and and I don't look him in the eye. I do get it, however. Warmest regards. I've talked about this before. I've uh, I've done many things in my life, and I did work in the music business. It all started out with me having a recording studio where I was producing radio commercials and TV commercials. It was about the time when things were taking off for Prince, the early to mid-80s, and I had people coming to me and saying, hey, did you do music? Well, I didn't know shit about music, but I said, yeah, of course I do music. My studio was in a, a bank building, Kitty Corner, from First Avenue, so I was in the thick of it, and I started doing some music things, and much like everything I've ever done in my life, I just jump in head first, try to figure it out along the way, and eventually I seem to do all right with it. And I did work in the music business for a number of years. I owned a recording studio, but I also represented some artists. And I was able to put together some big deals. And because we were where we were, a lot of these people were connected to Prince. For example, one of my artists was a former member of the group The Time, which was a Prince group. And... uh, You know, I I dealt with a lot of people like that, and I represented those people. But what the interesting part of that era was, wasn't Prince so much. I mean, Prince was there, and I had a couple of experiences with him. I didn't know him real well, even though we were about the same age, kind of grew up in the same area. I didn't know him. Um, But that era, when Prince took off and some of the other types of music, Hoofsker do and some of those other things— This town, Minneapolis, got to be a fucking mecca. People were coming from all over the country. I have a studio right across from First Avenue, and it was absolutely crazy in Minneapolis at that time period. There are tons and tons of crazy-ass stories that I can tell. And I've told some here, and I've told some on TikTok, but I've never gone in-depth about it. In fact, I was talking to somebody today. There are so many crazy stories 
that somebody's talked to me about writing a book about it. Now, I don't know if I can write a book. I think I probably could, especially if it's something I experienced. So we're going to talk about that, maybe do some kind of book. But but it's a book about Minneapolis during the Prince days, but it's not like the Prince books you've seen because it's kind of that level below Prince. Prince was in the periphery. I dealt with Prince's cousin, and that's an interesting story because Prince's cousin and Prince had a problem, <laughs> and it put me in a weird position. But anyway, um, it's an, there's a lot of interesting stories, and I was very fortunate to accomplish some significant things while I was in the music business, much to the chagrin of everybody around me. Here's this big, dumb white boy working in black music and having some success. So there are a lot of stories, and I would like to talk about it, and I maybe will if there is enough interest in it on the podcast. I mean, we pretty much talk about news and politics but if you want to hear about those stories i got some crazy ones for you and i'll keep you posted on what i do with this book idea never written a book but i do write and i think i could do it if i focus on story by story by story so anyway that's that's what that gentleman means and i thought i'd answer that and let you folks know as well All right, we have gone a little long in this segment, but that's cool. It's my fucking podcast. I'll go as long as I want, as long as you're willing to listen. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Well, that was definitely a first, to a whole first segment on emails. But it goes to show you, I told you to email me, and if you do, I will respond to them. Those emails come right to me. They don't go to anybody else. I open them up in the morning, I read them, and one way or another, I will answer them. But let's get to the news at hand, and there is some news to be talking about today. A lot of things happened yesterday that we need to go over. The Supreme Court has, well, they said denied when it came to Donald Trump. You'll remember Donald Trump has been trying to keep documents in the National Archives from the White House around January 6th hidden. The House Select Committee has asked for them, and they were supposed to get them in helping them to figure out this whole insurrection and how Donald Trump was connected. Well, Donald Trump didn't want the House Select Committee to get these documents, so he does what he does. He filed a lawsuit with federal court. And, of course, it went through federal court very quickly, which was surprising to Donald Trump because even if he thought he wasn't going to win, he thought, well, I can delay this and run out the clock. But within a month's time, the federal court said, yeah, now this is bullshit. There is no base in law here. You lose. So then quickly after that, he appeals because, again, that's what he does. He's looking for a delay. He appeals it to the appellate court, and guess what? A month later, not two months, not six months, not a year like he'd hoped, one month, they said, yeah, this is fucking stupid. We're not going to allow you this lawsuit. Okay, now Donald Trump's pissed, and he's angry about the lower courts, but he still has one more step, and that's to appeal it to the Supreme Court. And certainly he's got a lock there. He's appointed three of the chief justices. They owe him. I mean, these people were nobody until Donald Trump put them in place. So certainly they'll side with Donald Trump. Well, a month later, they say, yeah, no, we're not going to listen to this. This is bullshit. And the vote was eight to one. 
So all of his appointees voted against hearing this case for holding back the documents from the National Archives. There was only one dissenter. Guess who that was? Clarence. Clarence. (laughs) Clarence Thomas. Yeah, you know him. He's the one that had the problems when they were trying to put him in court for sexual abuse. Yeah, that guy. A close buddy of Donald Trump, apparently. And he thought they should be able to continue to hide the documents, even though there is nothing in the Constitution, nothing in law that would suggest it. So why would Clarence Thomas want to agree with Donald Trump? Well, that's funny you should ask. Do you remember several months back when there was a woman who helped gain money or raise money for the insurrectionists when they were coming to town? Remember who that woman was? Yeah, it was Clarence Thomas's wife. I got to believe Clarence Thomas isn't going to be very interested in seeing what's in those documents, especially if his wife crops up talking to Donald Trump about raising money to bring these fucking thugs to the U.S. Capitol. So Clarence Thomas wasn't wasn't excited about it. But the other eight said, fucking go ahead, release the shit. And now the National Archives has said they've already released some of it and more is coming. So Donald Trump is shitting himself right now. For whatever reason, he did not want that stuff released. Now, here's what's going to be released. There's going to be text messages. There's going to be emails. There are going to be visitor logs. Who came to the White House? Who met with who? Now, if we find out that some of these people from the insurrectionist, people from the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the One Percenters showed up, that could be a problem. If Jim Jordan or some of these other congressmen that are alleged to have been involved in the insurrection showed up or called Donald Trump or texted Donald Trump or whatever, that's going to be a problem. Clearly, there's something in these documents that Donald Trump doesn't want anybody to see. And he's very used to delaying and delaying and delaying until he runs the clock out. Well, that didn't work well this time because you see the whole process from federal court to Supreme Court to a final decision, three months. It got Donald Trump nothing. And on top of it, he fucking lost. You see what's going on here? The walls are starting to crumble. The wheels are starting to come off the bus. Everywhere Donald Trump turns, things are getting fucked up. He's got an investigation with the attorney general in New York. They said, we're not going to testify there. Well, Letitia James, the New York attorney general, didn't like that a bit. And she exposed that we have significant evidence of Donald Trump and his family overvaluating and devaluating his properties, which is highly illegal. They've got the documentation of it. Now, this is just a civil court, but the fact of the matter is there's also a criminal case for those very same things in the Manhattan District. They're working together on this thing. And this is going to be a problem Because there will be indictments out of this, and the only indictments that are going to be left to come out are for Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, Donald Jr. I mean, keep in mind, they've already indicted in the criminal side the Trump Organization and the CFO. 
Now, the other civil is a lawsuit. Now, he can't go to jail for anything that comes up in the civil lawsuit, but they could break his bank pretty quickly. There's going to be a lot of fines and um, paying back of money. He grifted a lot of money in these deals for a long, long time. If he's found guilty in this criminal or in the civil lawsuit, he's going to be pretty much have his bank account drained for now and in the future. And then if he's found guilty in the criminal court, well, then he's going to do some fucking jail time. So that's all coming down on him. we got Georgia coming down on him. Now all this shit's being released for uh, the House Select Committee. Donald Trump is experiencing something he's never experienced before. He's got arrows coming from all directions. He can't juggle them all at once. Now, whether he'll end up in jail or not, I don't know. It would be kind of unprecedented to convict and jail a former president. But I tell you what's going to happen. He is going to be destroyed financially, um, perceptually, and uh, he's not going to be able to do anything. He's going to be a shell of himself. You know what? When I think of Donald Trump, when all this stuff comes down, it reminds me of another man. And why it really reminds me of it now. Have you seen this new show about Jim and Tammy Baker? Remember that? Those two from the, what, PTL Club or whatever. Those hucksters, charlatans. The movie's actually pretty good. I was surprised by that. The actors in it did a great job. Um, But what reminds me about Donald Trump, here's a guy in Jim Baker who had all the money in the world. He was grifting all kinds of money. He was hugely popular on TV until, until all the fucking criminal shit started coming down. And when they went in his office to take him away, you know what he was doing? <laughs> he was curled up under his desk, weeping uncontrollably, uncontrollably. And that's how I imagine Donald Trump when it finally all comes down and he gets dragged out of Mar-a-Lago or wherever the fuck he is. He's going to be so upset. He's a narcissist. And now he's finally put in a position where he can't do anything. He can't respond. He can't lie his way out. He can't pressure his way out. He's done. He won't know how to handle that. He'll probably be found under a, uh, under a desk, curled up and crying. But in addition, he'll probably have his pants full, too. He'll probably have shit his pants, which is common practice with Donald Trump. I don't know. I'm very excited to see how this all shakes out and comes down. But it really looks like uh, things are creeping closer and closer to Donald Trump. And he is going to have some big problems, as is Ivanka Trump, Donald Jr., and Eric Trump. This whole family is going to be decimated economically and in terms of people's perception of them. Everybody will know how big are criminals, how corrupt, how much they are grifters, and it's going to happen in the not-too-distant future. Guarantee it happened before November when they have the 2022 election. Okay, that was some good news. Now I got some bad news for you. Not surprising news, but bad news. Chuck Schumer held a vote on the Senate floor yesterday in an attempt to pass the voting rights bill. Of course, not a single Republican voted for it, and it did not pass. Now, this is because of the filibuster. 
With the filibuster, you need a supermajority to pass. That means you need 60 votes. The problem is there are 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans. In order for it to pass, 10 Republicans would have had to vote for it. Now, nobody expected that would happen. But they took the vote anyway. Now, when that didn't pass, the Senate voted on another issue. And this was to change the filibuster. Not forever, not for eternity, but for one day, for one moment, for one vote. Change the filibuster so that they could pass this bill with 51 votes, a simple majority. So they put that on the Senate floor and they were going to vote for it. Now, theoretically, they should have been able to do this because you got 50 Republicans who won't vote for it, but you got 50 Democrats and then the vice president would break the tie. Unfortunately, that's not what happened, and you're probably not surprised. The final vote was 52 to 48 against. All 50 Republicans voted against voting rights, and all 50 Republicans voted against changing the filibuster, but so did two Democrats. And you won't be surprised to find out who those two Democrats are. Kristen Sinema from Arizona, and uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia. They're Democrats. They call themselves moderates. They're not moderates. They're conservatives. They're barely even Democrats. Now, the funny thing about these fucking clowns is that they say, well, we're all for voting rights. Yeah, we're all for voting rights, but not changing the filibuster. Well, it's funny, the Republicans have carved out the filibuster on a number of occasions to uh, appoint chief justices and other things. But somehow Joe Manchin thinks this is a dramatic event. Well, it will change the Senate as a whole. Even though it was only meant to be for one vote on that one day. It's just more bullshit rhetoric that he uses to make himself look like he's doing the right thing when anybody with half a brain knows he's lying and it's bullshit. So the idea of carving out the filibuster didn't pass. So what does that mean? Well, right now, that means no voting rights bill. It's not going to pass, and nobody knows when it's going to pass or if it's going to pass. Now, Joe Biden says and Chuck Schumer says they're going to keep going after it. They're going to try to get this passed. But um, there there doesn't seem to be any path to do it. And there's going to be a lot of angry people, a lot of people of color that are going to be angry, and they have every right to be. Now, a lot of them, a lot of people are blaming Joe Biden for this, and he deserves some blame. But let's be perfectly honest with you. Many things that are trying to be done by the Democrats and the Republicans, they've done everything they can to do it. But the Republicans have done everything to block it. So you can't really blame the Democrats and Joe Biden if the Republicans have enough power to block it every time. Now, that said, I do think Joe Biden on this whole topic of the filibuster has been a little slow 
and a little weak because when they first started talking about the filibuster, Joe Biden, Joe Manchin says, well, we want to make this bipartisan. We know we can get 10 votes on the Republican side. Well, I got to be honest with you. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I knew at that point that was fucking bullshit. There was no way the Republicans were going to bend and send 10 votes for the voting rights bill or the Build Back Better bill. That wasn't going to happen. Bipartisanship can't happen if one party refuses to participate. And that is what's been happening with the Republicans. But Joe Manchin and Joe Biden, old Senate guys, they said, oh, we can't change the filibuster, even though they have before for other situations. But we don't want to change the filibuster. That emboldened Joe Manchin in doing what he's doing. His buddy Joe Biden says, yeah, I agree with you. That's a big move. Well, so now time goes by and Joe Biden finally realizes he can't get this to be bipartisan that he's going to have to carve out the filibuster if he wants to try to pass the voting rights bill. And he's getting all kinds of heat to pass the voting rights bill because he's made some promises to people of color and to the rest of this country that they would protect our free and fair elections. So then all of a sudden, Joe at the last minute says, okay, we'll carve out the filibuster. But it was too fucking late. You let it go too far. And then when it came down to nut-cutting time... You wimped out. Now, I like Joe Biden, but he's like any other president. They fuck up. They make mistakes. They do stupid shit. And in this situation, Joe fucked up. He should have been on top of this day one when he took office and working it for the whole year instead of jumping on board at the last minute and then finally giving in on that one thing that is the most ridiculous part of the Senate. As long as the Republicans hold any power in the Senate, the Senate is a worthless body. They don't do anything. All they do is obstruct. Think about it. When Obama was in office, what did the Republicans do? They tried to shut down fucking everything. When Donald Trump was in, what did they do? They kept talking about infrastructure but they didn't get it done. They talked about a lot of things and got nothing done. Oh, except that tax cut, that glorious tax cut that Donald Trump was so proud of. What he didn't bother to tell us was that 85% of the tax cut went to the rich to the tune of $2 trillion. The crumbs went to the middle class. And what he also failed to tell you was that uh, the tax cut for the rich went on in perpetuity. But the tax cut for we minions, that's already ended. The uh, SALT deductions are gone. So what's happening is when you do your taxes and uh, when you look at your paychecks, you're getting less money. You want to blame Joe Biden, but Joe Biden had nothing to do with the tax deal. This is all on Donald Trump, and that was the plan. Give all the money to the rich, give some crumbs to make the idiots in the middle class happy, and then take it away from them. That's exactly what happened. And now when a Democratic Party and a Democratic president want to do something for the middle class with the Build Back Better deal or this voting rights bill, oh, we can't do that. We just can't do that. This is who we're dealing with, with the Republicans. These people are despicable. They're obstructionists, and they don't get anything done for America or the people in it. 
which is ironic because the jobs they hold is specifically intended for them to do things for this country and for all of us. They're getting paid $150,000, a year to do the job for us, except they haven't done shit for us. I've said this before, I'll say it again, the Build Back Better deal. When they talked about passing that, they said this will be transformational. Nothing like this has ever happened in like 80 years. Well, think about that for a second. You've got people in the Senate and people in the House supposedly working for us. And this Build Back Better deal that they can't get past as yet is the first time in 80 years that they have done something important for the middle class. Doesn't that piss you off? For 80 years, they've been hired to work for us. And for 80 years, they haven't done jack shit. And when they finally get on the verge of doing something for us, oh, that's too much money. You see where the problem here is? Our government isn't actually working for us. Now, prior to Donald Trump, prior to Donald Trump, the Democrats and the Republicans were six of one and half dozen of the other. They're both corrupt. They're both um, have uh, their hands in the pockets of the rich. They always have. The only reason the Democrats look a little better right now is because of Donald Trump and these radical right Republicans doing this crazy corrupt shit and trying to undermine democracy. This is the only reason I side with Democrats because they're the lesser of two evils between the Republicans and the Democrats. And the reason the Republicans are more evil now is because of Donald Trump and the culture he brought to the White House and to Washington, D.C., I've always said we got to get rid of the far-right Republicans and Donald Trump if we hope to save this country. But if we actually accomplish that, get rid of Donald Trump and get some normalcy back in this country, now we got to focus our eyes on the Democrats because they got a lot of fucked up shit we need to straighten out too. They aren't our heroes. They're the better of the two right now. That's why we push for them. But once they get some control... And I think they probably will in 2022. Too much bad shit is happening, and the Republicans are going to take a beating. But once they're in fully in control and start doing things, we need to keep a close eye on those bastards, those Democrats, because they can be just as bad as the Republicans once Donald Trump is out of the fucking way. I don't know. It's very frustrating to watch how our government runs. And maybe this whole situation with Donald Trump is a positive in the sense that he's opened our eyes to all the corruption in Washington, D.C., how all the politicians have taken advantage of their situations, and they did it on our backs, and they refused to do anything for us. Now, like I said, the Build Back Better bill is the first thing they've done in 80 years, and they still haven't done it. You can blame the Republicans for that because they're blocking it now. But the Republicans haven't been in control for 80 years. The Democrats were in control for a time, and they didn't do anything for us either. Our problems in Washington, D.C., the first and foremost is the radical right, the undermining of democracy, the overturning of elections, Donald Trump and all that stuff. That's the biggest wound we have to deal with now. If we were triaging America, that's the thing we have to focus on now. Get that taken care of. 
But once that's taken care of, we got all kinds of other injuries we need to take care of if we hope to make America healthy. And I'm hoping against hope at this point that somehow Joe Biden and the Democrats can do something to at least get us quasi straight before 2024. I don't know if Joe Biden will run in 2024. I don't think he should. He's going to be way too old, but they're going to have to come up with a pretty good candidate to win in 2024. I don't think Donald Trump will be running in 2024. He'll be far too wrapped up in legal ramifications and other problems. And I don't even know if he's going to be healthy enough to run the way this clown eats and the way the guy looks and the mental strain that he will go through between now and 2024. He's not going to be in a position to run for president. So we may see two new candidates in 2024. So if the Democrats hope to maintain some control in 2024, they better find somebody good. And they can't sit on their hands like they do every other fucking time. They need to start working hard at this. They now need to start getting tough, even vicious, like the Republicans have been. Otherwise, they're going to be in fucking trouble. And if the Republican wins in 2024, we're in big trouble, especially if we don't have a voting rights bill. Last thing I'll talk about, I've talked about it before, I'll bring it up again. The Democrats are in a position, they're in the second year of this administration. 2022 is the midterms. Historically speaking, the Republicans should win in 2022. But as I pointed out, what's going on right now is comparative to nothing in history. So to try to predict it based on history doesn't make sense because what's going on now is totally different and far more problematic than we normally see going into a midterm. But at this point, if the Republicans and Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema refuse to allow the Democrats to pass anything, then maybe what they need to do is drop everything and focus on one thing, and that's dismantling the Republican Party, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema. I think they're both going to have problems when it comes to re-elections. They probably won't be back when they're up for re-election. The whole point is trying to win here. Now, if you just can't get these bills done between now and 2022, there's no point in continuing to try if it's just not possible and the Democrats don't have the balls to get it done. So what we need to do is maybe focus on the investigations with the House Select Committee in Georgia, in New York. Expose the shit out of these Republicans. Donald Trump, the treasonous, the seditionist, the people in Congress. Spend the next year dismantling the Republican Party. So when 2022 comes along, nobody in their right mind would vote for a fucking Republican. Then after 2022, and hopefully the Democrats have control in the House and the Senate, then just shove it down their throat. Do whatever the fuck you want for two years and take some of this shit back. That sounds like a last resort. That sounds like a crazy idea. But at this point, the ideas they've come up with and the attempts they've made aren't fucking working. So they maybe better think of something else. And maybe a last-ditch effort is all they've got left. All right, we're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I appreciate you taking the time listening. I appreciate the folks that sent the Gmails in, the emails in to my Gmail. If you have a question or a comment, 
send it to rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. I love hearing from you. It makes it easier for me to do the show. I don't have to come up with as much shit. I just answer the stuff you ask me. And frankly, what you think is just as important as what I think. So please send me the notes, send me the emails, questions, comments, complaints, whatever. I'm happy to address them. All right, you have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.